You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi, Melissa. Hey, Elisa. Are you ready for episode 377 of Geekiest Show Ever? I am ready. A little bit of a heavy topic this week. Yeah, we're, we're going to talk about getting ready. <laughs> ready for but something. Before we do that, I'm going to give you a quick update on my iMac. Yeah, what's going on? So I finally brought it into the Apple Store a couple weeks ago. And in the store, they did some diagnostic testing and they said everything looked good. Hard drive looked good. Everything Almost looked the good. News you don't want to get. Yeah. And I said, well, Regardless if the hard drive is good or bad, can you replace it with an SSD? And they said no. Hmm. Because this is no, no this SSD is built Yeah, this is built to be a regular spinning hard drive. And I said, okay. So they said that they would do a diagnostic, they would keep it and they would check it out. And they said it probably won't be ready till Sunday. I said, no problem. It's not my primary computer. I don't need it. It takes as long as it takes. 8.30 the next morning, I get an email. Your computer is ready. I'm like, well, that's not good. <laughs> Wait, so so they're going to put a brand new hard drive in it? That was the, no, 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 nope, they were just, just going to do some more testing. Oh, okay. And it turned out everything is fine. So what they ended up doing is they just reinstalled the operating system. They said, Which did you do a backup? Yeah, I said, I did that already. Mm-hmm. They said, well, sometimes if you do it again, I'm like, I did it in safe mode. You didn't hold it right. You didn't hold it correctly. Yeah. I said, I've already done everything I'm supposed to do. You didn't press the button I've hard enough. Already, not only did I upgrade it, but I reinstalled the operating system again. Mm. Well, did you back everything up? Nope. Don't worry about it. Doesn't matter. Mm. I can always re-download. So they reinstalled the operating system, and it is no better than it was before. Oh, all that time it's still It's still spinning beach balls. But this is the weird thing. I... It took me a week before I finally had the time where I can actually sit down and do something with it. So I reinstalled Audio Hijack, and I reinstalled 1Password and Skype and so on and so forth. Just, you know, the podcasting apps. Mm. I went into Safari, and I downloaded Chrome. Chrome is lightning quick. Really? I click on Chrome, boom, it opens. I yeah. type in a website, boom, it opens. I would have like, expected the opposite. Whoa. Because Chrome hates Absolutely. Me. That's hmm. what I thought. But the Apple... Uh, the Apple apps? Oh, hmm. oh my God. So you this will never. And spins. And spins. And spins. That's I mean, I couldn't even get GarageBand to close. I'm like, okay, GarageBand's done. I downloaded everything for GarageBand. Let me quit it. And I hit quit. And I hit quit. And I hit quit. I'm like, quit already. <laughs> <laughs> so this is uh, going to be uh, relegated to being my show notes. So I've got my show notes open on this big iMac. Uh-huh. And then I'm still using my MacBook Pro to do the actual recording. So you're kind of sort of using it as like a second display? Yeah, basically. Yeah. I've got could my two you, two mice could here. You put it into target mode and target disk mode and use it as a an actual display instead of like waiting for the notes to show up? Oh, I had no problem with the show notes. Because mm. I have them in Chrome. Chrome. <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah. So it's your Chrome yeah. machine. Yeah. So I, I'm not going to be using this too much. It's a glorified Chromebook now. Yeah, which makes me sad, but oh, yeah, well. That is a shame. Did they give you a quote on what it might cost just to get a hard drive put into it? To no. See if, no. No. 
So they're no. saying the hard drive's fine. That's not hard drive is fine. Them. And they couldn't yeah. give you any insight as to what may be causing them to beach ball. Nope. They said everything is fine. And then they said, we'll redo the operating system. So for all I know, when the next OS comes out, and I I will upgrade immediately because what do I have to lose? Right, exactly. It could end up flipping everything. It can't have spyware on it. It doesn't have any kind of malware on it because it's been wiped, right? I wiped it, and then they wiped it. So... Double So for all I know, when the next OS comes out and I upgrade to it, it could be... Perfect, and no more spinning beach balls, and everything runs great. Or it could be the same. Yeah, yeah. Then I, so who I knows? Consider just using it as a as a secondary display. At least, it, at least you get some use out of it instead of yeah. just recycling it. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I wouldn't turn down a, a nice a nice display. Is it a twenty four or twenty seven inch? Twenty one and a half. Oh, tw- oh, okay. All right, so it's not even that much larger. And it's yeah. twenty nineteen. Hmm. Hmm. With so nothing on it. Could, you probably could use it as a second display. I think. Or I could possibly. And the other thing I thought about is maybe I can sell it back to Apple. Yeah. Well, since since they say it all checks out and see if you can get a trade, you should do it now because isn't the trade-in value higher? It is. I haven't checked on the iMac. I am going to. I've got to remember this week. It's just been so busy, but I want to get a new watch. Ah, yeah. Because the last time I looked, it was a hundred and fifty dollar trade in. Mm-hmm. I have a bunch of money on my Apple Card just sitting there waiting to be used. Mm-hmm. So when all is said and done, a brand new watch that costs three hundred ninety nine dollars plus tax should only cost out of my pocket about sixty dollars. Nice. So I'm like, I the iMac on top of the pile. I I can do that. Yeah, yeah. If you're not so going we'll out of it, then just see what happens if you add the yeah. iMac to it. We'll see. All right. Don't forget. Yeah. And we'll see what happens. You'll have, to, uh, you'll have to catch us up next time. So yeah. We'll that's if I, for that if I remember, because there's so much going on right now, which is what so, yeah. we're about to talk about. Yeah. So the last on? episode, we were talking about you, Melissa, helping out your aunt with her mm-hmm. husband's Facebook account and passwords and so forth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how do we approach that? How do we help someone who's just lost a loved one? Well, as it turns out, two weeks ago, well, not, yeah, has it been two weeks now? Yeah, it's been two weeks already. Wow. My, my father died. Mm-hmm. So sorry. Thank you. So it was a surprise and it wasn't a surprise. Mm-hmm. He, it wasn't like he was sick, like he had cancer or heart disease or anything like that. But he was 91 years old. He was frail. I had seen him on Thursday and he just, he didn't look right. Mm-hmm. I even FaceTimed my brother and I just said, doesn't dad look not very good? And I get the phone call that he, he basically expired. Mm-hmm. So what we wanted to talk about today is how do we prepare our loved ones for you know what what happens at the end mm-hmm. and this is for people either younger people helping their parents or parents who want to help their children i'm kind of so, the prime demographic for this discussion yeah so what i wanted to do was take a take a few notes based on my own experiences and what ended up happening is i wrote like an entire article about this. It just came. I mean, I have never written anything so easily and quickly in my life. It just flowed. Did it feel so, cathartic? Um, 
it was just more like, I want to make sure I touch on this. I want to make sure I touch on this. And I was just going to do bullet points, but that's not enough. So this is actually just regular prose. And it's going to sound like I'm reading because I am reading it. So gathering, gathering your thoughts and getting them in place. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 just, it's short, but I just wanted to give you like a little history of what I went through and things I did. And then we will move on from there. So basically, so my father died earlier this month, as I mentioned, and I'm the executor of his will. But before that, I was his legal guardian, which oh, my God, that's another story right there. <laughs> can you tell now, us quickly, like, what is the difference between an executor and a guardian? And can you be both at the same time? No, because an executor is someone who takes care of the will. So that means the person that you're dealing with has already passed away. If you are a guardian, that person is alive because as soon as my father died, so did the guardianship. So the guardian, so you become a guardian first and Mm -hmm. then after the person dies, then you become the executor. Yes, once the will goes through probate. Okay. Okay, so because of all the paperwork I had to do to become a guardian, the executor part is easier. So it's not easy, just easier. Uh And on that thought, I have some recommendations to make life easier for you if you have older parents and or you want to make life easier for your children or surviving spouse. Now, in my particular case, I noticed things weren't right with my father back in 2006. My mother had gone uh, back and forth between the hospital and rehab after having major surgery. My father would not drive himself to the hospital, which was only a few minutes away from his house, because he didn't want to get lost in the parking garage. Mm-hmm. He didn't understand or comprehend what the doctors were saying, so they all talked to me. Nurses called me, not my father, to give updates on my mother's progress. But at the same time, my father refused to talk to me about his finances. It was none of my business, and that's how it stayed for years. And I think it's also that generation Mm -hmm. where they wouldn't tell you how much money they made because they thought, oh, you're going to tell all your friends that I make $50,000 a year. Like, who cares? And plus, it's all relative. You know, $50,000 a year in one part of the country is a lot different than $50,000 in another part of the country. Like I said, it was none of my business about his finances until he realized he couldn't do his taxes anymore. And I took over since I used a software program and his taxes were pretty straightforward. But that's how I also learned he wasn't giving me all the statements that he needed to be claimed. Because months later, he would get a letter in the mail after I filed saying he owed thousands of dollars. And he would just pay like it was no big deal. And my pleas for him to keep a folder of all his tax documents fell on deaf ears. And his attitude was, well, if I owe the IRS $1,000 and I have $1,000 in my bank account, so what? Mm -hmm. It's like, no, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's not how it works. So finally, it got to the point where his financial filing system was just a mess. So I took the time to organize his investment folders. And I put them in order and I made sure everything, the proper investment was in the proper file. And I put them in chronological order with the most recent at the front. And then I made a number spreadsheet of everything, his bank accounts, his investments, his life insurance policies, his pension, everything, name, address, phone number, number of shares, the value, the total worth, then the total of everything. Mm-hmm. which came handy later on. So, and a little side tip, when you make a number spreadsheet, you can use, what you can do is you can set the stock so that it's dynamic. 
so that what happens, so you don't have to know that, you know, XYZ is selling for $20 a share. It will pull in the price of the share as of the last day of business closing. Wow. And then numbers. Yeah. So you just put that in and then, yeah, well, no, it's just like a little thing at the top that says stock. So if it knows that you have Apple stock, it will say, okay, Apple stock was, you know, $300 yesterday, so it puts in 300 So it's reading and then something I, from a server somewhere? It's Yeah, it's reading online. Oh, it's going to cool. wherever it's going to, and it pulls the, the price of the stock. And then I had a formula next to it. So if the price is $300 and you have one share, it puts $300 as a total. And then in that column at the bottom, I say, add up this column. Mm-hmm. So at a glance, I can say, okay, his monetary value is worth this amount of dollars, which made my life so much easier. Spreadsheets so, are really invaluable. I, I just, just for yeah. real quick, I can chime in. Um, I've ex- been experiencing this with the clients that I help, and that's what I've been doing with with many of them. And one of them where it actually came to fruition, Same similar things like what you were what you were describing, there's these kind of telltale signs that it's time to start taking over the finances. Some of the other signs that I've seen is when, uh, and, and I've just, with working people and helping them and teaching them how to use online banking and showing them how to read their transactions, you can start to see patterns develop, especially if they're still using a paper checkbook, because what will happen is they'll start to pay bills twice. They'll forget that they paid the bill. Mm-hmm. They'll pay it again twice. They kind of stop using the register or they start to sort of forget how to reconcile their checkbook. And then that just kind of goes by the wayside. And so they're not tracking it. They're not keeping on top of it anymore. And the sad thing about when people double pay their bills is a lot of these, you know, for utilities, for example, a lot of times they won't say, oh, well, we're sorry that you paid this twice, but we'll just credit your account. But then if they don't outlive the account, that credit just like stays there. Like, I don't know where that where that money goes. They won't just refund the money. They'll just credit it. So so that's something to look out for. I, I can tell you about that, too. Yeah. In in my experience, I can't speak, you know, I don't know if it's a matter of companies. It's a matter of state law. But I, I have that exact experience, too. Um, Was he double paying bills? He was paying bills, for example, if like for Spectrum, his mm-hmm. cable bill. He, if the bill was one hundred and ten dollars, he was paying for a thousand ten dollars, and yeah. Spectrum sent the check back. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. With yeah. a letter just saying this is not the right amount. Yes, yeah, and I wonder how much of these companies have a department that says, okay, this is an aging person, um, you know, some kind of like an elderly support where. Oh, okay, you know, this person fits this demographic and, you know, they're double paying their bills or triple paying their bills or, you know, something's not right where they're not reading their own handwriting and that sort of thing. So, but but that's that's a telltale sign. So just like you, that's what I've started doing is basically making a spreadsheet. Okay, here are your bills. We're going to set these up for auto pay. We're Because, I mean, I was helping a client where she hadn't paid her cable bill. She actually did not pay her phone bill and if it hadn't been for WhatsApp, she was using WhatsApp, I don't think people would have been able to reach her. And and this was the situation where she didn't have any other family. She didn't have children. She wasn't married. She just had like, you know, extended family members. Now, 
it's always good to have the person encourage being social with somebody, somebody like a neighbor or somebody that will check in with them. I mean, you you were there with your father. We're starting to do the thing where like I call, you know, each one of us kids, you know, calls the parent and checks in on them and that sort of thing if we can't, you know, go there directly. So it's a matter of just having them check in or being checked in on. And what was happening was this person didn't really have a large enough network. And so things were starting to go unpaid. And so her phone got canceled. So people couldn't call her after a while. And then she unplugged her telephone by accident. So long story short, you know, I kind of got this all wrangled. And this was in between states, by the way, and uh, got her to plug her phone back in, got her, was able to help her get logged back into her account. Because thank goodness, she didn't, uh, she was in danger of, in fact, they had were sending her collection notices about her internet bill. And thankfully, she still had internet because if she didn't have internet, I wouldn't have been able to help her. And nobody else would have either. Then she wouldn't have been able to use her phone for WhatsApp. So she didn't know the difference. She thought since she was still talking to people on the phone, she thought that meant that it was her cellular plan, but it wasn't. It was the internet through WhatsApp. Mm-hmm. She was basically right. using VoIP and didn't realize it because she didn't know what yep. that was. And so bills weren't getting paid. So we set things up for auto pay. But then I very carefully documented it. And then that's when I started asking questions like, okay, who is the next of kin? Who is the person that is going to be the benefactor? Who's the person that needs to step in here? And so then, you know, kind of got that information. And so when it came time where she needed a lot more help and someone needed to take over, then that person got my contact information, contacted me. And I said, yeah, you know, here's a spreadsheet. This is what we've been working on. And they were incredibly grateful for that. So that really, really helped. So that I think is our is our shared experience and our tip is start making a spreadsheet and get the person's bills and investments and you know financial stuff in order set it up because it'll just make it easier for you or for someone else in the long run when the time comes when when things start to start to unravel. Well, when he could no longer write checks and had me write checks for him to sign, I signed him up for online banking. And I also created logins for his various accounts so I could be sure I saw bills in time for them to be paid. Um, uh, What I had him do is when bills came, I'd say, put them here. And eventually he, he, he was pretty good about if he saw something that said Spectrum or National Grid, which is our electric company, he would put it in a particular place and he'd go, go upstairs. And then I'd know there were bills to pay. And then I would either go on my phone or his computer and I would pay them. So it was like you had an inbox basically when, yeah. you, when you came over to check. And, you know, and I would look, I would look through things. That's probably actually a really good idea if people are still hooked on the paper bills, because I know a lot of people... When I work with them, I'm always I don't just automatically assume that they want paperless. I carefully talk to them about it and they say, yes, I still want the paper because that's kind of like they're that's how they still are grounded in reality when they can see and feel the the bill. So that's actually probably a really good tip is to when you're working with a loved one or you're helping to support somebody, have them create a physical inbox, even if it's just a, a box that, you know, you clearly label bills. And just have them always put it in that box. And then that's kind of your your inbox when you come to paper. Well, there's also another reason why to have paper, which I'll get to. Okay. Um, in September of 2021, I finally convinced my father to move into assisted living. He could no longer make decisions for himself. So I brought him to a lawyer so that he could sign a power of attorney. We get there. And he refused to do it, even though he told me he would do it. But the lawyer took one look at him. And she said he wasn't cognitive enough to sign the document, even if he had said yes. Mm -hmm. So she suggested that I get a guardianship. And that's what we did. Now, believe me, guardianship, 
You really don't want to do that. It is super, super, at least in New York State, it is super, super expensive because there are a lot of different lawyers involved. It's time consuming, but it does give you more power than a simple power of attorney. Okay, that's what I was going to say. So so I guess the first, so it sounds like you're kind of like leveling up. So first it was power of attorney. Which I never got because he wouldn't give it to me. Okay, so had you gotten that though, what would power of attorney do for somebody? That gives you, so this is in a case of like where, say if it was my dad, for example, like he's still cognitive and he still can make decisions. Is that when you assign? I think so, because I think he did pick one of my siblings to be power of attorney. Yeah, that would be... That's something that you do you, while you're still cognitive. In your cognitive, family. right. So that's basically saying, should I become incapacitated? Okay. Whether it's mentally incapacitated or physically incapacitated, I say my daughter, Melissa, can make decisions on my behalf. I see. Okay. That's, you know, that's I'm when... giving I'm giving her permission to do so. But the problem was there were certain things that I needed to do as guardian that they told me power of attorney would not allow me to do. Like when I had to put, uh, get in touch with different investments and say, hey, talk to me from now on. They said if I had power of attorney, so it, it would be like leveling up. You needed the it would be level. the same as if you called them. Mm, they wouldn't talk. They wouldn't. They said, nope, you have to be a guardian. And I had to, and you have to send the documents. Oh my God, it's it's a lot. And, and maybe you're going to touch on it later and tell me if you are. But you mentioned something about you know getting a person's name put on their checking account so that they can make those mm-hmm. kind of decisions. Do you need to have power of attorney to do that, or is that going to be part of the guardianship? <laughs> it depends. Okay. It 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 depends. All right. Okay. So. Okay, so I said, uh, we got the guardianship, and I said, it's got to be honest, it is this process is a nightmare. But having the above-mentioned spreadsheet helped tremendously, and it saved a lot of time. Because, at least again, it is New York, when I went to the lawyer to do the guardianship, I gave them a copy of that spreadsheet. Because the judge needed to know that my father had the resources to pay for his care, that I could have access to, to pay for his care. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I have to account for every single penny, Mm. every single penny that came in and every single penny that went out, which is why the paper bills were important. So you had to be his own accountant, too. I have files and folders upon folders. I have spreadsheets of every conversation I had, every bill that I paid. I have to document everything so that I can go to the court and say, this is the money that came in from these particular places, and this is the money that went out to these particular creditors. You know, this was his, this was his national grid bill. This was his doctor bill. This is how much it cost to put him in assisted living. You know, so that's why those spreadsheets were important and be, the physical. I mean, a spreadsheet's great, but could all that be made a little bit easier with online banking? Where I did online banking, okay, because you would have had all of the lists, the transactions. But I see what you mean, like because that's what I do for my taxes. I I do the same thing. I take all those transactions, convert them into a spreadsheet, and then yes, I can say this is what it cost for this, and this is what it cost for that, and this is what came in, this one went out, incoming, outgoing. All right, like mm-hmm. for example, if I picked up groceries for him because he had a small refrigerator. I would I had his discover card, which I had permission to use. And I would go and I would pay 
for, you know, he wanted cookies and popsicles. So I'd buy him cookies and popsicles. But when you look at the bill, it would just say Walmart, $10. Mm -hmm. I had the receipt attached to the bill that showed I bought him cookies. I bought him popsicles. Yeah, the transaction was so far. Yeah, or if he had a, a, a doctor appointment and it said $20 copay, I had the receipt that said he went to his primary care or he went to the dentist or, you know, he went to the eye doctor so that they could see, yes, I'm bringing him to the doctor. Here's the receipt. Mm-hmm. So because that was also required as a guardian, bring him to the doctor. Show due diligence. Yeah, you know, you have to. And I had a spreadsheet of every time I visited him. Because mm-hmm. I had to keep track of that. I mean, you have to keep track of everything. So I, like I said, Medical I have... Mileage. I have mileage down. I have everything. Mm. What did you use to track mileage? Or are you going to get into that? Nope. I just would look. I would just, I put a note on my phone and I would just write down okay. what I started. And then I'd come home and I'd say, I went 20 miles. Mm-hmm. And I would just write it down. Okay. So, yeah, basically. So, um, okay. So I told you that I used a spreadsheet. Okay. So I used a spreadsheet again after he died to contact these various institutions to let them know that he had, he had passed. Now, I haven't gotten any code of anybody, everybody yet, because I'm still waiting for that piece of paper that mm. shows on the executor so I can do certain things. Wow. So, so you still, that, they still haven't sent that to you? Oh, my, I hasn't, it's, it hasn't been filed yet. Oh, wow. wow. Because there's a lot of rigmarole that goes with that. So it's mm. going to be a while. I mean, you don't close out an estate in two months. Yeah. Okay. You know, so it's I a long process. The, the point is, is to manage your expectations that this is a lengthy yeah. process. It's a lengthy process. So now a word about life insurance. <laughs> my father had a lot of policies. And when I called the life insurance companies that I knew of, I found out that he had two with one of the companies. And I had no idea because I only had paperwork for one. Mm-mm. I said, okay. He had paperwork for companies that no longer existed or the companies that had merged with other companies. So instead of being, you know, he had the, the paperwork for company A, but now it's company B. But I didn't know that. Oh. Until I did a Google search to say, oh, look, company A is now known as company B. No wonder. So I didn't know what was current. I didn't know what was in the past. I had to call a couple of companies to find out that the policies expired years ago. I found a policy from the VA. Mm. And I had to call the VA and say, does my father still have this policy? And they looked it up and they said, oh, that expired years ago. I'm like, okay, why are you keeping this? So this is a so, mom, dad, we need to talk about this. <laughs> yeah. So, so you got to make what, what sure. differently is you wish you would have had these conversations if he would have been open to it. Yeah. So now the big question is, why am I telling you all this? Well, believe me, you don't want to go through what I went through and what I'm still going through and will be going through for probably the most of the summer. Mm -hmm. So if you have older parents, sit with them. Ask them if you can help them put together a spreadsheet of their finances. Find out where they keep their wills, their life insurance policies, the deed to the house, any other important documents, title to the car, anything that you're going to need. Ask them about their pensions, if they have RRAs or any other source of income. Ask them, what about funeral arrangements? Do they have a cemetery plot already picked out and paid for? Do they want to be cremated? Do they want a religious service or not? My father told me, nothing. (laughs) Nothing. But I already knew how to arrange a funeral because I had done my mother's. But not everyone is going to be that lucky. I also knew that my father had pre-purchased a plot years ago in the cemetery. So that was easy. It was just a matter of going to the funeral home and picking out a casket and choosing a date. Mm -hmm. 
Now, if you're a parent of older kids, but you don't feel like they're ready to have this conversation, put together a box with your final wishes. Tell them where they can find important papers, current important papers. If you no longer do business with a company, or if you had investments and you sold your shares, file the company paperwork with your taxes or shred them if you no longer need them. You may want to check with your accountant or financial advisor first before you dispose of any important financial documents. Give them passwords to your bank accounts, credit cards, other important data. Make sure this is secured in a lockbox or a safe deposit box and updated as needed. Now, speaking of passwords, our middle son came home for his grandfather's funeral, and he told me when he comes home this summer for a longer visit, he wants to sit down with me and go over passwords, where my husband and I keep our important documents, etc., because he is the executor of our will. One password fits in here. We always seem to run back to one yep. password. <laughs> he is on our family plan, so he will have access to all the important passwords that he Same. needs. It's, it's a good digital estate planning tool. Yeah. Like there's three of us on one password and none of us look at the other person's account. You know, we respect each other's privacy. But at the same time, I know that if I ever had to get into my husband's account for some reason or he has to get into mine, we know each other's passwords. We can do this. So I will sit down with Shane and just say, "Okay, here's this. Here's this. Here's this. This is what we want you to do in this situation. So when the time comes decades from now, he'll know what to do. Can I just, uh, I wanted to share a tip because this is how we do it. So so you have your husband, yourself, and your son. And you yes. each have your own separate vaults. So when he opens it up on his phone, it's in his his personal, or I think it's called private, I think is the yes, name Yes, it's of called the vault. private, right. yes. So you each have your own private vaults. Now, I wanted to tell you that we do that a little bit differently. So because... So it's even so imagine in your case now now double that or or triple it even because I'm managing myself my husband our two children now they are under the age of 18 so what we kind of you know decided is that until they're 18 and you know until they're mature enough to be able to handle it they don't have a they have a private vault but the way that I configured their one password accounts and on their devices. So this is an on device thing. You have to actually physically take the iPhone. So if you, you know, for instance, if you say pretended that your your middle son wasn't 18, say he was a younger child, you would take his phone and his computer, you know, he wouldn't take it, he would give it to you. And you would configure it so that when he saves passwords, everything gets saved into a shared vault that that you, you know, you and your husband can then see. So so that's how we have it set up with our kids. Our kids have a shared vault. I have it configured so that by default, anything that they create, you know, they create a new Roblox account or whatever goes in that shared vault. It's not that they can't access the private vault. I just haven't, they're, they're too young. I mean, my older son could, of course, figure it out and he may have already. Um, but that private vault, I don't have them save anything into the private vault yet. It, it's kind of nice because it'll grow with them because then when they do get older, say when they're your son's age and you know earlier than that, they will take all of those things and store them in their private vault. And then we'll just share like the Netflix password or something like that. Um, so they have shared vaults for right now. Now, uh, I also did that with my parents and I explained this to them, You know, especially like my dad and I talk about this kind of stuff. See, 
I, I'm very fortunate. I am very fortunate that my dad and I do have a really great relationship and we do talk about this kind of stuff. So I help him with his passwords. I mean, we're still going through an audit because he's, you know, he he still has the habit of like using the same password. He doesn't quite, he knows that it's there, but he might forget to use it. But he's really good about it. He's really good about asking for help, which I am so so grateful for. But I also have my parents set up the same way that I do my children. And it's not that I don't trust them or anything. It's just that they don't understand how to really manage passwords just yet. And we're still, it's still like a learning process. So for example, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, I worked with my dad, I call it a password audit. And I said, all right, dad, you know, because he was telling me about something he needed help with setting up. He he wants to use online banking, which I'm really grateful for. And of course, when I went to help him with it, I noticed that he was reusing a password. I'm like, okay, dad, while we're in here, while we're setting this up, let's audit Let's audit this. Let's change this to a gobbledygook password because you're just going to copy and paste it or autofill it anyway. And so, you know, we went through that. And then while I was in there, I noticed there were some duplicates and I noticed that there was some overlapping passwords. So we just kind of went through it and started you know, updating those passwords to be better, more unique passwords. So I can do that from 3000 miles away because my dad is set up as a shared vault, not a private vault. And I walked him through it. We did screen sharing plus a lot of verbal instructions. And I showed him that dad, I'm going to have you store your passwords in a shared vault, not a private vault. And so he's he's okay with that. He accepts that. So that's just a tip for anybody who's using 1Password with families. Again, this can really be a good, powerful uh, digital estate planning tool. Just like Elisa was saying, you know, make sure that you have access to their bank accounts and anything that's required for paying their bills and have them put it in a shared vault that you can access. Of course, this requires a very trusting relationship and, you know, clear expectations and understanding that this is the purpose of this. You're not trying to steal their money. You're not trying to be nosy. You respect their privacy. But in the event that you need to access it or if they need help with it, then you'll be able to log in using that shared vault. So that's my my PSA. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> and I will wrap up uh, my notes with something that you had uh, alluded to earlier about what happens if your parent is writing the check for the wrong amount of money. Uh, a lot of times in insurance bills and utility bills are notices for third-party designees if the account holder is over 65 years old. So your older parent, basically you encourage them to assign one of their kids as the designate. And this means that the child will also receive the bill, changes in policy or services, late notices, etc. And it's one more way that the child can stay on top of making sure the parents are paying their bills. So if your dad is over 65, and he makes you the third party designee, and you get something a mail that says, hey, you know, your utility bill is 30 days overdue, you can go back to your father and say, Dad, what's going on? You didn't pay your utility bill. Mm-hmm. That's a rather, yeah, yeah, rather than have him sit in the dark and say, what happened? How come I don't have any lights anymore? Mm-hmm. You, so, so you're ahead of the game. Yeah, you know, maybe, if he's not paying his car insurance, he's not paying his life insurance, his homeowner's insurance, mm-hmm. you know, uh, or maybe it's just a simple case of it got crossed in the mail or he sent it to the wrong address or it legitimately got lost in the mail. Right. Yeah. I I, I want to say... Maybe talk to your parents or have your, you know, if you are a parent, talk to your kids and say like, hey, if I, you know, I'm going to set you up as a designee. If I start having a pattern where I'm, 
forgetting to pay the bills, it's probably time to start, you know, taking over and, and helping out with finances and things like that. So that was that was my question. I, I, I forget if we already uh, covered the answer during during the recording of a pre-show, but how do you know when it's time to, if you're a parent asking your child, your adult child, hey, uh, I want to put you, I want to put your name on my bank account. I want to put your name on the checking account. When is it time? When do you think it's time to do that? When mistakes start happening or before that, or, you know, what's a good sign that it's time to add an adult child as a second signer, I guess. I don't know what the technical term is. Well, it'd be co-owner. In my my case, when I became guardian, I had to open up a brand new account, which was a guardian account. So basically it had my name and my father's, but it said as guardian. Almost kind of sort of like an escrow in a way. So what I did is once... I was able to switch all income to the new account. Then I had the legal authority to close his own personal account okay. because there was no reason to keeping that open. I had to change everything to guardian account. Mm. Now that he's gone, the guardian account, I can't touch Interesting. Because, because the guardian account no longer exists. I'm no longer a guardian. So I was able to access it to pay for the funeral. That was okay. But I can't use it for anything else. That Mm. any other bills that might come in the mail, I have to pay for out of my own pocket. Oh, no. Once the executor comes through, then I go to the bank and I open up another account as executor. Uh And then all the guardian money goes into the executor account. And then I pay myself back. I was going to say, then you have to refund yourself. Yeah. Then, and then my lawyer said, that's fine. Isn't Once that account is open. That? That's a big, huge gap. Fortunately, the amount of money I've had to lay out isn't that much. You know, yeah. we're not talking about like, somebody. It, it could be. It could yeah. be. As opposed to a joint checking account. If you and your dad had account together, yeah. it'd be the same as you and Nate having an account together. So do you recommend doing something like that? There's got to be a lot of trust. Right. There's got to be trust because legally speaking, Uh if, if your father, if your father says, okay, Melissa, when I die, you know, you know, there's a lot of money in my checking account. I want you to split it amongst the siblings. Yeah. Legally, you don't have to do that. When, because it's in your name, right? If he right. has a joint account, right. now ethically and morally is another story. Sure. But legally, that's your money. Isn't that something that could be specified in a will? That I don't know. Or, is, or, or do you not want to do that because that's like tiptoeing around the law? But see, I, I, I mean, it's don't legal to open up a joint checking account. Yeah, I don't know if you can specify that if your name is on it. If it's just mm-hmm. his name, then yes, that I gets see. divided up amongst That's the siblings. What, right. So but that because your people don't just do that on the regular. Yeah. Now, it's good, though, to have someone else's name because what happens is if he puts your name on the account with him, mm-hmm. he passes. You need to pay the bills. Right. Your name is on there. You can still legally pay those bills, whether it's the funeral expenses or you know, the rent on his house or his car payment or whatever it happens to be, mm-hmm. you know, the, the end of life bills, you can still pay. If his name is the only person on that account, that account is frozen. Hmm. 
You're paying until, for everything out of your own pocket until until, until the will processes. Right, and that's and then, what's called probate. When all of bringing it to court, yeah. bringing it to court is probating the will, and then once the judge signs off on it and says, "Yep, Melissa, yep, you're the executor. Here you go," and then you have a paper, you have a document. Mm-hmm. And then you show that document to banks and investments and so forth. And then you do whatever it is according to the will, whether it's, you know, give it to this person or, you know, because he might say, I want you to sell all my investments and and div- divvy up the money. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody does something's a little bit different. Yeah. So another caveat, though, and I can see why people might not want to do it that way. Uh, So, for example, let's say you're on a fixed income or you're a low income individual. If you go and say, well, just out of the kindness of my heart, I'm going to help my parent out. I'm going to, you know, ask to have my name put on the accounts for the purposes of helping to pay bills for them. That stinks then when you might be trying to get assistance, like financial assistance, medical assistance, or say you come into hard times and something happens and you have to pay a high medical bill if they're going to assess you based on financial uh, eligibility, that will make you ineligible because then that's considered your money too. So that would be a reason not to do that. If you are an individual who needs to apply for some kind of an assistance, you don't want your name on that account. I mean, because it's their money. You're just basically having your name put on it to help assist them with paying bills, but see the financial assistance places don't look at it that way. Right. Like I, you know, we just bought a house recently. And so I've just been through a round of all of this stuff where they're heavily scrutinizing all of your comings and goings. They're looking at all of your purchases because they're trying to evaluate whether or not you're a credit risk. If, If I would have had a scenario where, I mean, let's say, for example, or let's just say, you know, make it more plausible with my husband, because when we did it, when we just bought our bill, because, you know, I'm a freelancer, so we went off of his income. So they were only pulling his credit. I mean, I have excellent credit, but they weren't pulling my credit score. They were pulling his, and they were looking at all the money that that he's spending, even though my name's on everything, too. And I'm basically, I'm the one who's actually spending the money. I kind of can control, I control the purse strings because I'm kind of the financial secretary of the household, right? But let's just say, for example, if he was taking care of one of his parents and his name was on one of their checking accounts and then we're trying to buy this house, they're going to be looking at that money. Now, of course, that might benefit him and they'll it'll make it look like he has more money than he actually has. But then that might, you know, it, some somewhere along the line, it might negatively impact things. You know what I'm saying? It just, it muddies the waters when it comes to if you yourself are, are undergoing some kind of experience when another when financial institutions have to look at you as a person and look at your finances and your spending. And then you have your name attached to somebody else, whether it's a parent or, you know, even if it's an uncle or like some other family member, or some other loved one, say if it was a, a, a sibling that became incapacitated and you're helping them out or something, then that muddies the waters and it, and it makes you look financially culpable for that kind of stuff too. So I, I would think that that would be a caveat. That would be something you'd have to really seriously consider. You know, getting your name added to that account is no small feat. That's, there's a lot to consider when it comes to that. Yeah, I mean, it really depends. It it just depends on everybody's personal situation. You know, like, did your parent prepay his funeral? I know when my, my aunt is going to be 90 years old, but when she dies, it's not going to cost my cousins anything because she's already paid for her funeral. Wow. 
that's so there's I mean there's going to be you know some minor cost Mm -hmm. as far as you know engraving the tombstone and getting her body from wherever she passes to the funeral home and then to the cemetery so you've got some minor costs there but you're not going to have these fifteen thousand dollar bill waiting for you because she's already taken care of that and that's that's a super super privileged way of handling death and that so many people just don't have access to that unfortunately yeah, and plus now, because she doesn't really, you know, she's, like I said, she's almost 90. She lives month to month. Yeah. So, but at least she is smart enough to know what she what she can and cannot do. So my cousin, he's got power of attorney, and he takes care of all her bills. He's part of, you know, he's on, he's not, on, I don't think he's on her checkbook, but he's on her checking account. Hmm, and all the bills come to him. He goes on her checking account. He pays all the bills. Okay. Yeah. So that's what I wanted to bring up. So you were talking about before where because your dad did it with paper, right? So he's Mm -hmm. still getting the paper bill in the mail. He puts it in the bin. You collect it. You take care of it. And you write out the check. What about, you know, maybe the new, more modern way of doing things? And let's say, for example, with my parents, I might say set them up with auto pay so that the money, so their bills are already, are all always auto paid. So we're not worrying about writing out duplicate checks. We're not worried about overpaying. The bills are getting paid automatically. But let's say if there's expenses, like some other expense comes in, what's to stop me from say, you know, say my dad becomes incapacitated physically or mentally, what's to stop me from saying, okay, he incurred this cost. I'm going to go in on his behalf as him log in and pay the bill online. I mean, is there? There's That's what I I did that. Mm-hmm. That's what I did. Once I took over, I said no more writing checks. Yeah, yeah. I went on to his bank and I set up all the accounts. And when the bills came, I just went in and I paid them. I don't like auto pay. Um, I understand the benefit of it. I don't like it. I won't use it. So let's talk about that a little bit because I, I do run into that all the time. And and what what don't you like about auto pay? Um, I don't like the fact that. When they bill wrong, and AT&T is notorious for billing wrong, good luck getting your money back. Because I would tell them, I'm not paying you until you get my bill correct. Right. That's that's the biggest fear that I have. Like, for example, we have an HOA, and I just had to come across this too, where I thought to myself, okay, I could just set it up where they do ACH and they just automatically take the money out. But what happens if they come and say, well, you have weeds, we're going to charge you, and then they just take it out. So yeah, for that, you know, I understand that fear, and that's for that reason – I don't think I'm going to set up auto pay for that. I think I'm going to set it up as an online bill pay. But then, yes, I'm going to have to set up a reminder and I'm going to have to manually pay it. I'm still going to pay it online, but I'm not going to have them automatically deducted out of my account for that same fear. So then that, you know, that makes you think, well, you know, which bills do you trust? (laughs) You know, for example, the water bill, uh, you know, the sewer, like utilities, I, I tend to trust utilities that, that they're, you know, if it's something, right if now. it's like your car payment, if your car payment is $300 a month, it's going to be $300 a month yeah, you can't or, yeah. or your mortgage. If you're on a fixed rate mortgage, your mortgage is going to be the same as long as you're not escrowing, because that, that could there, change with no the taxes. Risk, if there's no risk that the yeah, company's going to be dodgy yeah. about it, then if it's going to be the product. same every single month or, it, you know, we could even something like your, your cable bill, you might be paying $200 a month for your cable and your internet. 
the next month it might go up to 220 exactly. and you don't know that well how if you had gotten an actual bill you yeah. would have seen that they said starting next month this portion of your bill is going up twenty dollars mm-hmm. and you would know that ahead of time so that you could either adjust your budget or you could say I am tired of this. I am looking for another company. Right, so that you have options. So sometimes auto pay is bad because it, it reduces your options for if the bill is going to change for, you know, price increases. You know, in the grand scheme of things, there's not a whole lot of choice you really have. If if the if the utility bills go up, they go up. What are you going to do? Stop paying your electric bill? Live in the dark? <laughs> My dad would probably say, yeah. And we're on a budget. I don't know if, if other places do that, but we're on a budget. And like it's metered, like they have it, you know, it's the same. Yeah. Well, they, yeah, yeah, they, they just kind of like drive by and they, they have some sort of device Mm -hmm. that reads the meter, I think from the car. And then they go, okay, based on this usage, you used a lot because it was cold. Right. (laughs) And you had your heat up a lot. So we're going to increase your bill by $50 next month. I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they they do offer that so that you don't get those surprises. Um, Same thing with like water, like twice it happened to us where something broke, uh, you know, an underground pipe or something broke. And the only way we knew that was when the next month's bill went from $30 to $200. But we still had to pay it. You know what I mean? There's no getting out of that. So yeah, I mean, the bill's going to come in, whether it's auto pay, whether it's like automatically deducted out of your account, or whether it comes in the mail, it's the water bill, you can't negotiate, you know what I mean? But maybe say, for example, like the cell phone bill or the cable bill, eh, you know, maybe you can negotiate with that. I, I don't know, I guess it's just it's a personal choice as to how much you're willing to fight the system and how much you're willing to try to negotiate those prices, should that occur. So I guess you have to do kind of a balance as to which bills are going to be designated as auto pay and which pills are going to be, you know, you pay them manually month to month on a schedule. And that's why a spreadsheet comes in really handy. Something with, you know, a schedule and that's why being set up as a designee for helping to pay those bills based on the spreadsheet, based on a calendar. Uh, That was something that I was going to share too. Uh, We have family that were, um, assisting with their their medical needs right now. And one of the tools that I find really invaluable right now is a shared calendar. So, you know, this is for medical appointments, but you could probably set up, you know, for say your mom or your dad, or, you know, or if you're a parent and sharing it with your child, hey, you know, I want you to help out with the finances with the bills, but I'm not willing to set up auto pay for these. So it's going to take, you know, a little bit of um, effort on both of our parts, you could create a calendar in the iOS calendars app. And I'm sure you could do this with Microsoft or just any, any calendar that you're you can create a shared calendar and then invite the other person. And then you populate it with those, you know, as events, you know, when those bills are due, water bills due here, electric bills due here, cable bills due here, put in the notes section, this is how much it is each month. If that changes, then we might need to, you know, do some negotiation or or make a different choice or go with a different supplier or something like that. So I think that having a shared calendar is a really invaluable resource to use. I do something similar for myself where I'm like, I use Fantastical, but what I'll put is, uh, credit card bills due on such and such a date, and I as, and you know uh, spectrum, you know cable due on this date, and I have it so that it comes up every day, every month on the same date. See, it's I use it's the just recurring. For that. No, so I have it in there, mm-hmm. and then what I do is so let's say today my credit card bill was due. Mm-hmm. 
what I would do is I pull that up. And if I paid it on the 18th of the month, I would just put next to it paid 5-18-22. And then it would say, just this time or forever? And I say, just this once. So then when the 28th of the month or the, came up, it would already say paid. So at a glance, I know I paid my credit card. I know I paid my utility bill. Mm-hmm. I know I paid my phone bill. So I don't I have, have to so look the, and go, hmm, did I pay that bill yet or not? So for the bills that we have, like like we just discussed, I have certain utility bills that are set up for auto pay because there's no questioning that price. It is what it is. And I just accept that, right? So I have those set up for auto pay. I don't have to worry about, did I pay, did I pay the bill? But like that question has been removed. Um, what I do is I check my transactions. So I open up my banking app and I scroll through my transactions. I have uh, something set up. So like a budget, I have something set up and, and I bank with USAA. And in the banking app, there is a tool that you can set up recurring. So it's, it's kind of similar to what you're doing, just with a different tool, a different different uh, flavor, if you will. Uh, it's a recurring transaction. And then what I have to do is it's kind of like reconciling it like we used to do with the paper register. So this is how I reconcile my checkbook, so to speak. I have recurring uh, payments, you know, come due and I, and I set a budget. So like I kind of forecast like two years out in advance. Okay. You know, every month the electric bill is, it's a, so I kind of over budget. So I say on average, the electric bill is about this much on average, you know, the water bill, the sewer. Now, now we just moved. And so that's different now. So our water sewer trash and recycling is all lumped under one umbrella bill. Hmm. But okay. I have, which makes it really nice and easy, and it's actually lower than it was at our last place. So that's kind of nice. Uh, so you know, but I kind of sort of know like these are the bills that are that are due. This is around the time of the month that we pay them, and this is the you know on average this is the amount. And so I set that budget, and so then every you know say every couple like every week or so I go in, I go through the transactions, I say okay match this transaction. And then I say, okay, you know, Southwest gas was this much. Oh, well, actually, it wasn't this much, it, you know, because we used less gas. It was actually this much. So I just go in and do a search and say, okay, look for transactions that match this description with this range. So if normally it was $50 a month, but, you know, last month it was only $30, i will say, okay, start at like $25 and, and go up to like, say, $60. And so it looks for transactions that match that range of pricing and then it says, was it this one, this one, or this one? And I say, no, it was this one because it says Southwest Gas. I tap on it, and it matches it, and it reconciles it. And then it gives me a running amount of, okay, based on, you know, my husband's income comes in, you know, and that's a whole other, that's just a whole other bag of hurt because my husband's a teacher, and we don't know if we're coming or going a lot of times because of, you know, sometimes there's, there's bonuses that they say that they're going to pay out, but then it depends on if everybody pays their taxes that they get that money. So we kind of like, again, we budget for it. We say, okay, this is what we expect to come in, and this is the amount that is left over. So it kind of gives you a running total of these are the upcoming bills. Once they hit, you're going to have this much left over. Once this one hits, you're going to have this much left over, and so on and so forth. So it's kind of a running list. So that's what I do for budgeting for our bills with our checking account. And then like you were talking about with the credit card bill. So I think we both do the same thing. We pay our, our credit card bill off each month, right? I don't yep. like to I don't like mm-hmm. to carry a balance. I don't want to pay the interest rate. I only buy something if we can afford it. I use Absolutely. the credit card just for the points. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't, I don't use it as a loan. 
I use it for the perks. I use it for the mm-hmm. cash back. So for that, what I use is the reminders app. So I have a recurring reminder. I have two recurring reminders. One that says, check credit card balance. And you know that recurs every every month, the same same day. The other one says pay balance. And what I do is, and I don't know if you can do this with your bank, your mileage may vary, but if it does, if you are offered this option, take it. Mine allows me to schedule a bill in advance. So I know on average, and, and you can't pay over the amount. So I have to kind of wait. That's why I have a reminder. Around the middle of the month, I say, okay, remind me to go check the balance. So I go and I check the balance. Yep, you know. We've spent, you know, more than what we normally do or less than what we normally do, depending on the month. And they say, okay, I'm going to pay off the total. So I schedule the amount to just pay off whatever the total is, because again, you know, I know that that's money we're going to spend anyway. So let's say, for example, it was, you know, $1,500. I I put in $1,500. That is now scheduled. So I've already made, you know, over the, what is it called, um, the not it's not the balance that's due. I guess it was the the statement balance. I've already paid over what the statement balance would have been. So even if I don't like if I get sick or something happens and I don't you know pay off the total, I'm not going to get penalized for it because I've already paid the statement balance and then some, right? So I'm already I'm already good that way. But the bill has already been scheduled to pay the day before it's due. That gives me wiggle room. So then I have another reminder that comes up and says, okay, now pay the bill. And that reminder comes up, you know, just a couple of days before it's due. So then that, what I do is I go into the bank account, I look at what the balance is, and then I modify the scheduled bill. So the bill's already been scheduled, but now I go and I tap modify, and then I put in the new total. And then I check off the reminder. So then I know that the bill has been, you know, that the credit card balance has been checked. I've scheduled the initial payment. And then I have another reminder that comes up that tells me, okay, now go pay off whatever the balance is. And then I do that. And then I check it off on my reminders list. Why don't you wait for the bill? If you wait for the bill and it says, okay, you know, it closed on the 10th of the month, you owe $1,500 and then go into your bank and say, okay, pay $1,500 on this date. Because I'm afraid I'll forget. And so I want to have it paid the day before. (laughs) I don't want to wait. Well, see, that's what I, but see, that's why I have in my, in my calendar. Mm -hmm. Pay credit card. I think we're doing the same thing, just using different tools. Like you're using calendar and I'm using reminders. But I think you're taking one extra step because you're paying and then you're going back in and yeah. Right. Where I I do schedule. so busy. I do schedule. Like like with my father's bills, I would go in today and I'd have have them pay it like a day or two later. With me, I'll have them pay it five days before it's due. I guess part of it is because they changed it. I used to be able to pay over the amount that was due because if I knew that we were going to spend on average, like say, you know, $2,000 on living expenses or whatever, I would just put in that amount. But they changed it. You can't add, you can't pay more than what's due at that time. And because I'm, I'm doing it like kind of halfway through the cycle so that I not even halfway through, maybe a little more than halfway through, just so I make sure that it gets scheduled. And yeah, I am doing an extra step. It's only because I'm afraid that I'm gonna like not do it when, like I'm afraid I'm gonna cut it too close in other words. So I am adding an extra step in there. I'm scheduling it ahead of the time and I'm paying, you know, what's due at that time, which isn't gonna be the full amount. And then, yeah, I'm adding an extra step. But that's only because I don't wanna wait. I don't wanna wait until it's due because I'm liable to forget about it. I'm liable, even though I have that reminder, 
I still get distracted. So I need like, you know how you use that do app? I need nagging. That's just I know myself, I know that I'm I'm disciplined. But I also know that I get very distracted with what's going on with the kids and the family and all that kind of stuff. So I add that extra step in to make sure that I stay on top of it. Plus, it also informs me that, oh, hey, we spent a little more than we normally did. You know, we must have gone out. Oh, yeah, that happened. You know what I mean? It just it's kind of like it's kind of like like how we were saying we don't want to auto pay because what if what if they tack on an extra fee or something? What if the price goes up? I am still sort of kind of manually doing it because I want to know what we're spending. I want to I want to be on top of what we're spending. So that extra step just kind of helps me be more informed about our finances, I think. But you're right. I mean, I, I could just wait until it's due. I'm just afraid that I will get distracted. Not that I'll forget, but that I'll get distracted. Like I'll remember <laughs> and then I'll forget. <laughs> That's that's my fear. That's what I'm compensating for. If that makes that's, any that's sense, that's the story of my life. Yep. So I mean, it so, sounds like we've we've got a lot of a lot of tools. Did you want to? Were you ready to go through the the links to the apps and stuff? We talked about spreadsheets. We use numbers. Yeah. You use yeah. Fantastical. I use Calendar. The the Apple Calendar. I use the Reminders app. You know, you can kind of apply your own apps to this this kind of method. The, I found an article in my local newspaper. Uh, they had some different websites, so I was looking, and that brought me to other websites. But there is a an app and a website called Empathy. Now, I did download some of these apps, but the problem is you need to sign up, even if it's a free app. And I'm like, um, mm-hmm. that ship has sailed for me. I'm not even going to bother. So I can't really tell you how good or bad the apps are. But there is, and, and Melissa will have all these in the show notes if you just want to check up, geekyshowever.com. But one is called Empathy. And it basically helps you through the death of a loved one. What is it that you need to do? Um, You know, it says next level support for bereaved families. You get the app, you receive a personalized plan. It gives you the different tasks that you need to go through from planning the funeral and for, you know, just taking care of uh, the loved one's home, the estate. There's... um, probate and estate section, there's benefits, writing the obituary, selling the house if there's a house that's still involved, emotional support if you if you just can't process your grief, things like that. Uh, some of these like are very hand-holding. Yeah, some of these are free, and some of these there is either a monthly fee or an annual cost, so then you would have to decide you know which one is right for you. There's um, like empathy right here as a knowledge base. Um, that I'm just clicking on right here. So it's got um, applying for benefits, bills and debt, bills and debt, searching for documents. What about taxes? What about the funeral? Um, dealing with keepsakes, reading your loved one's final wishes, how to find an executor. Then there's a I section on the funeral. You. Like this is all the stuff that you might miss. You might you yeah. know, cross over and it kind of handholds you through the process. You know, what do you do when you can't find important documents? Protecting loved one's sensitive information. So these are articles that you don't have to pay for. These are all free. So it's a good resource, even if you don't decide to pay for the actual product mm-hmm. that they're selling. The website has good resources on it. And if you're a font nerd like me, just go to empathy.com and look at their beautiful typeface that they've chosen. <laughs> I have to go turn on. So while you're doing this, I have to go turn on my my what the font extension to find out what the font is. <laughs> it's beautiful. So. 
Another um, website and app that's similar is called Everplans. And this one is to get yourself ready. It says, we've got plans for everyone. Get your life, family, house in order once and for all. So this is getting your uh, paper together, your wills, your life insurance policy, health care, pet information, digital accounts, uh, making sure that you are able to give it to the people that need to see it. They give you checklists and state-by-state guides. So they've got a place that you can, if you are comfortable, you can store everything in the app. Um, and then um, it's got also has articles and guides to help you with this. So that's another um, app that you can go to. There's also a website called Lantern, Let Us Light the Way. And it gives you two choices. I'm planning ahead or I'm managing a death. So you can pick and choose which one you need. And they're all pretty much the same as far as giving you guidance on how to get your um, get your life together so that you can plan for what will happen in the future. Uh, another website is called Cake. End of life planning. They've got a bunch of different topics here for finance, for health, for the funeral, for the relationships, for legacy. You know, what if you have genealogy and family history, which Melissa and I have talked about in the past? Planning your online will, uh, a checklist, a forum so that you can talk to other people, getting advanced directive forms from your particular state, creating memorials, you know, talking about loss and grief, mortality. So you've got that. Then we also have in our show notes a couple of nerd wallet articles about talking to your parents about estate planning. How do you, you know, how do you open the conversation with them? Then there's another one called Who Gets Your Digital Assets? Again, something that Melissa and I have talked about. Your your heirs or your hacker are are the hackers. You know, what do you do? Yeah, we your talked face about that and, the, the last episode was kind yeah. of what we spent a lot of time yeah. talking about was yeah, I mean, and media this accounts. really goes into it. This talks about email, social media, file sharing like Dropbox, rewards, credit card points, shopping services like Amazon, blogs, um, your gaming account with PlayStation, video services like Netflix and Hulu, music services, books like Kindle and Audible, photo sharing, um, Shutterfly, Flickr, online dating, a virtual accounts, like a virtual currency if you're into Bitcoin. So this just kind of gives you an idea of what to what to talk about with your parent. Yeah, and I hope I hope there's uh, advice for how to talk about it without making it sound so scary. Because I mean, I could see it. This is really can be very intimidating and overwhelming. But that's why we want to geek out about this kind of stuff because it just seems like there's so much stigma attached to it. And I'd like to reduce the stigma about talking about death. I think it should be. As, as natural as talking about your health care, as, as natural as talking about financial health and, and like, you know, there's, there's stigma about mental health and mental uh, uh, awareness. I, I just want there to be more awareness about this. This shouldn't be such a taboo topic because it, it can really, it can really lessen the burden. And, and I hate to, to use that word, but it does become such an emotional, laborious burden when you're having to deal with so much of the stuff and, I mean, even just, I mean, I just moved recently and I was overwhelmed. I'm still overwhelmed. I'm starting to pare down my list and it's been six months. 
I mean, and I just moved. <laughs> so I mean, there's just so there's so much of a footprint that that we now have when it comes to digital assets that it can just be really overwhelming. So it's just good to try to start squirreling this information away. Start try to start keeping track of this stuff so that it doesn't become so overwhelming and so sad later on. Yeah, and it's really important to have a will because if you don't, you have no idea what's going to happen to your children. You know, when when my kids were younger, we appointed a guardian to take care of them in case anything happened to my husband or me before our kids turned 18. So think about what happens to your children if you still have younger children. Also think about uh, if you have any heirlooms and be very specific when you make out your will. Sometimes it's really simple, like I'm dividing everything equally amongst my children once the surviving spouse is gone. That's really simple. And other times you have items that you want to go to a specific person, such as a family heirloom. Make sure it's spelled out in your will. If you want your oldest daughter to have your grandmother's wedding ring, make sure it says in there, by name, your oldest daughter gets grandma's wedding ring. And make sure everyone in the family knows that. So nobody steals grandma's wedding ring. That's got to be spelled out. And I did find a resource, just coincidentally, I got an email about it uh, last week. It's called freewill.com. It's not an endorsement. I've never used it. I'm just letting you know it's a resource I found. But what it claims is that it will make you a will for free, and it was legal. And it will take you about 20 minutes. And it's based on what state you live in. So that's something to look into. Well, I'm thinking about actually looking into it because, you know, as we've been talking about this, you know, we we don't have our wills finalized. So this is something that I want to look into. All this time, I just kept thinking, well, what do we have left to, you know, we just have debt. <laughs> we just have you know, poorly tied knots and broken dreams. And, you know, there's not much of us, you know, that, that we can, there's not much that we can leave to our kids except a big pile of debt if we don't, you know, take care of our, if we don't get our house paid off in time and stuff. Um, but as our parents are starting to give us things, now we are accumulating things like we're like heirlooms, like you just said, we're starting to receive some of those heirlooms. And yeah, we better get a will going so that it can be designated for our kids so that they, they know what to do. So yeah, something as simple as I know, you said you've dabbled in it. But you know, we know that I'm heavily into the genealogy. If I know that none of my kids are interested, but maybe my second cousin wants all my data, from genealogy, I can make sure that's in my will if wow, I'm afraid. I thought about that. So you need to will, you need to leave your data, your genealogy data, so that it can be passed on. I hadn't yeah, thought about Yeah, if that. my kids are not interested, but my second cousin is, I can say, okay, give this to Mary, my second cousin, wow. all my information, all the physical things that I have that are genealogical resources, and let's you know, give that to her so she can continue on with the family tree. I can tell hopefully my pictures, my videos, my my thousands and thousands and thousands, make sure that someone takes that over and make sure that someone, you know, manages that. I have got it backed up on this disc and I've got it backed up on that drive and this cloud service and here's all the passwords for it. Yeah, that yesterday I found going through some of my father's, he had this box full of, you know, just some tie clips and and, um, 
cufflinks, which I've never seen him wear in his life, cufflinks. But I also found in there his Air Force wings that he used to wear on his Mm -hmm. uniform. I'm like, oh, that's mine. Yep. You know, and I threw out That's the tie special. clips, but I kept the Air Force because right. I have his dog tags and I have a bracelet. It's a broken bracelet, but it's a bracelet that has his uh, Air Force number engraved on it. And now you can pass that down to your children. Yeah. So I've got a hold of that. And if they don't want it for whatever reason, I will find someone who's interested in the family tree and give it to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And genealogy could help you do that. Yeah. Yeah, see, I get to get to I get to talk to my mom about that because I know before my grandmother got really ill and, and needed a lot of care, she had started dabbling in that, and I just thought her and I should combine forces if she's doing research and I'm doing research. I mean that that is that's a treasure trove of data that that's being compiled, and I know you spend a lot of time on it, so that's that's worth a lot. Yeah, and I, I have met people careful. who've given me like an unbelievable but I'm like thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you you know it's it's great and then once you have that base information it gives you something else you can build on so who would have thought that that silly little app that you have you know just on your phone or on your computer oh that's not worth anything just you know that's that's what really kills me when people say they're just going to toss the computer they're just going to donate it to goodwill and they think no there could be stuff on there oh yeah I got to get that taken care of before that happens don't don't let your genealogy data file end up, you know, in somebody's coffee table or, in, you know, in some yard sale or, you know, in the back of a Goodwill warehouse somewhere. That's not yeah. what you want it to be. Mine's backed up in a few different places. So if this hard drive crashes, at least I have it somewhere else mm, that's smart. just in case. So, yeah, so I guess we'll wrap up for now. Um, this is definitely a topic that we're going to be touching upon in the future different aspects of it. And please, if you have any questions, reach out to us and we will do our best to answer. And Melissa, if people did want to reach out to us and ask us some questions, how would they do so? Well, you can start with email. We are podcast at com. That's where you can email us. You can also uh, get to that email by going to the website geekiestshowever.com and there is a contact form that you can click in and that will send us an email. We're also on Twitter so you can tweet us at geekiestshow and send us your feedback that way. And, and if you want to Twitter, right? And yeah, Twitter. if you if you wanted to reach me, I'm Elisa Paselli one and Melissa is at the Mac Mommy and themacmommy.com for all things Melissa. Yep, that's me. So we would like to take this opportunity to thank you so much for listening. Please send us your questions. If you have some, we'd love to uh, love to answer them. And experiences. So, and, Share your experiences yeah. with us. Maybe, you know, if there's something that we totally missed, which is quite possible because it's a large topic. Or or maybe if there's a topic that, that we didn't cover or you think we should cover, whether it's related to estate planning or anything else geeky related uh we would love we would like to be able to geek out about it so yeah yeah especially if you live in a different state and the rules are different because my experience is just in new york state Mm -hmm. it could be totally different in florida or alaska or maine or it could be exactly the same i don't know i can only speak to what i have gone through so if you have something similar but a little bit different yeah please share it with us we'd love to hear it So on that note, once again, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you in a few weeks. And until then, please stay safe.